What do end-of-life care and the New Hampshire primary have in common? You are listening to ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Susan Dolan, your host, and with me today is Dr. Ira Bayak. Dr. Bayak is Director of Palliative Medicine at Dartmouth-Hitchcock Medical Center and Professor of Anesthesiology and Community and Family Medicine at Dartmouth Medical School in New Hampshire. And author of the books Dying Well and The Four Things That Matter Most. Dr. Bayak, welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. Thank you, Susan. It's delightful to be here. What is the Reclaiming the End of Life initiative? The Reclaiming the End of Life initiative is a citizen's initiative to compel candidates for the presidency of the United States to address issues that matter to frail elders, anyone of any age living with an advanced illness, and their family caregivers. Those three constituents, frail elders, seriously ill and potentially dying people, and family caregivers are vulnerable in America today. Their voices are barely whispers and are rarely heard by the body politic. So starting with a nidus of hospice and palliative care providers and aging services in the state of New Hampshire, we've actually organized a statewide citizen initiative to bring these issues to candidates in a way that they cannot ignore. And on the other hand, to actually help the candidates and their staff begin to engage the issues so that they don't have to ignore them, but can in fact respond to them in substantive ways and in policy proposals. Is the initiative nonpartisan? The initiative is nonpartisan. It's clearly political. It's citizen you know, participatory democracy. But we don't have a candidate. We don't have a party. We don't have a piece of legislation. What we have is a set of issues that do, that we know matter to people of New Hampshire when they think about the waning phase of their life. They think about being a frail elder or caring for uh, a parent or, or friend or, you know, sister or brother who's a frail elder uh, and their experience and their needs as caregivers. Describe the specific goals of the initiative. It's a layered strategy. We have just completed eight citizen forums in towns across New Hampshire. In general, there were about 50 to 60 people at each forum. And during each forum, using touchpad technology where everybody got to vote on about 200 items in these evening sessions, we've gathered data from New Hampshire citizens about what matters most to them when when they think about the waning phase of life or being a caregiver and what they want policymakers to know and keep in, in attention as they craft their own policies and eventually you know, national and statewide legislation. We know that the people coming through the state, the, the candidates and the media, are part of the national policy discussion. And it's time that, that these issues, the things that you know, frail elders, dying people, and family caregivers need addressed got the attention they deserve. How did this start? Well, I think it's, it started by a number of us over the years talking about that we can't wait another presidential cycle to begin talking about the crisis that really surrounds how we care for one another and how we die in America today. Uh, certainly in the hospice and palliative care movement, this is sort of talked about. How can we get attention to these issues? And we sit on endless policy committees, and we hope to get invited to the testimony table at, you know, in our states and in our uh, legislatures and in, our, in Congress. And we, we spend a lot of time drafting papers and all. But in New Hampshire and in Iowa and South Carolina, maybe maybe Nevada at the moment, we have access to the candidates that is quite remarkable. So as a participatory exercise in democracy, 
but also as a communication strategy, we really need to use this leverage to make sure that candidates address these issues. There's reason to believe that even in the discussions of health care reform, the particular needs of frail elders, dying people, and family caregivers won't get the attention it deserves. Again, they just aren't advocates for themselves. They're too overwhelmed or ill to, to do so. So we've collected the data. I wanna, uh, we can talk briefly about some of the highlights of the key findings that we've developed. The data is exciting. But then we're going to be using the data to craft questions to the candidates. And, and I'm right now uh, drafting a report of the citizen voices from New Hampshire that will be put in front of the candidates and, of course, to the media. And we're bound and determined to make sure that these issues get discussed in the upcoming debates and become part of the domestic policy discussions of the presidential primaries. On the other side, we are providing as much technical expertise as our meager budget will allow <laughs> to, to the candidates and their campaign staff. And we have a wonderful website, www.reclaimtheend.org where there's a lot of information, including information in a section we've developed called the Wonk Room, where we're just putting up, you know, documents that you'd have to look hard to find but are of value to the wonkish policymakers when they address these issues of nursing home staffing and medical education and, and reimbursement for hospice care and the b barriers to getting into hospice care currently and the bright alternatives the PACE programs that we know are cost-effective and dramatically improve care, the greenhouse and Eden alternatives of long-term care. All of that information needs to go from the journals and the advocacy organizations into the public domain, into the public discussion. Often what I'm aware of is that as hard as this issue is, as, as genuine as this national crisis is, this is one we can fix. There are truly bright, enlightened alternatives to the way we care for people through the end of life that are fully cost-effective, that have good and increasing evidence behind them, and yet we're not talking about it. At its basis, I think, the Reclaiming the End of Life initiative says, let's talk about it. It is a problem, but we have solutions, and we're, we're going to do so through the political pro process because, you know, we don't know who the next president of the United States is going to be. But we do know that we're going to be having discussions in, a, in our state with that person, and we can influence the policy discussions for the next eight years to come. If you're just joining us, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, XM233, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Susan Dolan, your host, and joining me is Dr. Ira Bayak, discussing the Reclaiming the End-of-Life initiative. Dr. Bayak, how do you plan to make end-of-life care a priority for the candidates and keep it a priority? You know, it's a priority for the people of New Hampshire, and therefore it really has to be a priority for the candidates. We will be publishing a report that, that highlights what New Hampshire citizens believe uh, is important about the care that frail elders, dying people get and, their, and the support their family caregivers need and get. Let me go through just a few of the key findings, which I think, as you'll see, will command attention. 97% of New Hampshire citizens that were involved in these eight citizen forums feel that the United States healthcare system has major problems or is in a state of crisis. 91% should believe it should be public policy to provide affordable health care to all Americans. When asked where would you want to spend the last days of your life, 71% said they'd want to be in their own home. 
15% said a hospice facility if it was available. Not one single citizen participant said that they would want to be in a nursing home. That's important because at the present time, 30 to 40% of Americans may end up in nursing home care. Currently, about 25 to 30% of Americans spend the last days of their life in a nursing home. Currently, 20% of Americans die in an ICU. This is not anything that anybody wants, and yet that's the status quo. New Hampshire citizens told us that they want their doctors and nurses to be well-trained and skilled in the care of elders and dying people. 97% agreed with the statement that the faculty of medicine and nursing schools should be required to have knowledge and skills in geriatrics and palliative and end-of-life care. Over 90% felt strongly that medicine and nursing schools should be required to, d to teach pain management and addiction and prevention use of medications. An overwhelming majority, and this is important for physician listeners, 91% said that they would require physicians to pass tests of basic knowledge and skills in pain management as a condition for receiving or renewing a license to practice medicine. These are things that have relevance to the political discourse. That's an impressive list. I'm curious, 71% you said want to die at home, 15% in a hospice facility. I believe that leaves about 14%. What did they say? Less than 0.5% indicated a hospital. The rest were, were made up of uh, either don't know or assisted living facilities. What are the solutions? Well, the solutions first are to begin to discuss the issues. The solutions are to dramatically expand the amount of attention to pain management, communication, and coordination of care that we teach in our medical and nursing schools so that people's care during this time of life has the same attention to detail that we bring to every other phase of, of human life. It will involve not only different medical care and, and health service delivery, but different living arrangements for people. We need to be living in some group situations as we become frail and elderly, but it doesn't have to be a medical facility. Then again, the PACE programs and the Eden alternatives uh, that we feature and are portrayed a bit, at least glimpsed in a video that we've developed that's available on the website, gives you a sense of what's possible. People say, how are we going to pay for it? But in fact, study after study shows that there's plenty of money in the health system already. If you can create alternatives to 20% of Americans dying in ICUs, you can pay for a lot of care coordination and transportation and bath aids and home health aids and the sort of supportive care and ongoing monitoring that we know improves quality of life and, frankly, longevity with chronic illness. What is needed is to actually engage the issue straight on. Right now, in healthcare and in public policy circles, the end of life is felt to be so daunting, so depressing, so complex that we just don't want to think about it. Ironically, though, in the last 15 years, private foundations have put over $220 million into research about end of life experience and care and into building enlightened alternatives. I know about this because I was part of the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation's programs in this way. What we now know is that it is possible to provide enlightened care that everybody feels good about. It's not cheap, certainly, but it is not in any way more expensive than the status quo, the per 
citizen costs through the end of life today. We need a coherent, constructive, wholesome vision of what a healthy last chapter of life looks like, by and large. And then we need to do the policy changes to ensure that the medical schools really no longer teach more obstetrics in 2007 than they teach hospice and palliative care. That's absurd. And, you know, people need to stop being forced to choose to give up their chemotherapy to get hospice care and good pain management so they can be at home supported with, within the context of their families. I want to thank Dr. Ira Bayak, who has been our guest today discussing the Reclaiming the End of Life initiative. I'm Susan Dolan. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, send your email to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.